Sonosphere, the podcast that explores the sounds all around us in art and music movements through history. Today, we will focus on the use of drone sounds in music. There's a lot to cover with drone music, which is often used as a part of the genre of minimalism. We'll focus on the drone itself and the making of drones as a continuation of the birth of modern music series on avant-garde classical music and minimalism. This episode in the series will begin with the evolution of the drone's sound as a musical style and aesthetic used in many parts of the world. We'll also hear from Joanna Demare, author of Listening Through the Noise and Drone and Apocalypse. Join us. We're your hosts. I'm Amy. And I'm Chris. This episode will also look briefly at how Eastern philosophy and instruments informed Western avant-garde music. Lamont Young himself defined his music as the sustained tone branch of minimalism. The style of drone music exemplified by Young is usually classified as being part of the minimalist genre of music, using sustained timbre as a foundation to his work. This sound structure is important in folk robs. What? Rob is a Swedish composer specializing in electronic drone pieces like this song, What, that you're hearing now. This piece was created in 1968 and uses several drone pitches, although they move so slowly, the change in pitch is hardly noticeable. Let's start at the beginning. The word drone fell into use by way of bees. In July 2012, Robinson Meyer, writing in the Atlantic about drone music, found that around the year 1000, the Old English word dran meant a male honeybee. The Oxford English Dictionary tracks it after that as it became dran, then drain, and in the 14th century it gained a new meaning, to roar, probably from the bee's sound while hovering over flowers and plants. In the next 300 years, the verb became a noun. By 1641, Milton wrote, thumbing the drone of one plain song. Drone was a noun for sound, but it didn't have a school or a genre yet. Drone music is an ancient form of music making, found less so in European concert music and more in the Eastern and Asian philosophies, cultures, and music making. Many avant-garde and minimalist composers in New York from John Cage in the 1940s to the Fluxus Movement and Lamont Young in the 1960s found influence in Eastern philosophies and music. 
It's a minimalist musical style that emphasizes the use of sustained, repeated sounds, notes, or tone clusters. has to do with um, uh, sustained notes or pitches or chords. So anything that has a drone in it is something that generally uh, sounds like it's not changing. You don't have much rhythmic activity. Um, it can be as simple as uh, you know someone humming or someone singing one pitch, or, or it can be uh, perhaps a string instrument that's just playing one pitch over and over again. My name is Joanna Demers, and I'm a professor of musicology at the University of Southern California, uh, the Thornton School of Music there. I, I think that I knew about drone music without formally studying it, just because I had the opportunity to uh, study at the uh, University of California, San Diego, and the music department there has had a long-standing commitment to avant-garde music uh, of various types. Um, at first glance, you might think that that department really was focused on the European post-war avant-garde, and that is true, but there were kind of pockets uh, of students who were interested in uh, kind of alternatives to that institutional avant-garde. And so it would happen that uh, I would run into a professor who was anxious to talk to me about Velvet Underground and Lamont Young, and uh, later on he would just invite students into his office and we would listen for, you know, a half hour or an hour or more to some drone music, and that's kind of how I, I got into it. Many avant-garde minimalist composers in New York from John Cage in the 1940s to the Fluxus Movement and Lamont Young in the 1960s found influence in Eastern philosophies and music. It's a minimalist musical style that emphasizes the use of sustained, repeated sounds, notes, or tone clusters. Music that is based on drones is typically characterized by lengthy audio programs with slight harmonic variations throughout most pieces which is different than ambient. Ambient music has a shorter history growing out of the 1970s electronic and techno emergence of sound, and it is heavily influenced by drone music. Drone music described as ambient is, at its root, contemporary drone music. As a writer, I, I've often kind of laughed at the irony that uh, the time or the, the word count that it takes me to describe what is happening in, in certain drone music is, is very minimal. Um, <laughs> and, and so if one were just to rely on a written account of certain drone pieces, uh, it would sound boring or uneventful or uh, unimaginative. Um, that is anything but 
uh, how I would describe what the composer puts into it, because I think all of this music is actually very thoughtful and uh, takes a lot of resources and a lot of reflection to decide, well, how do I maintain interest over however long period that the piece is going to last? Same thing for the performer. The performer has to make those decisions. Um, it's just that in describing that, <laughs> at, at least, um, you know, with the, the point I was in my writing, I was just saying, well, gosh, it takes me a sentence to describe what's happening in this piece, and that really doesn't reflect on the length of the piece or, uh, you know, what goes into making the piece. Eastern instruments have been used in Western classical music since Debussy's fascination with Javanese gamelan music. Composer Colin McPhee wrote the book Music in Java, which influenced composers like John Cage, whose early influential works, sonatas and interludes, had a resemblance to gamelan music. Pierre Boulez used colorful polyrhythmic percussion using Indian hand drums, called the tabla, and Japanese woodblocks in his 1974 composition, Ritual in Memoriam, Bruno Moderna. German composer Caroline Stockhausen used mallet instruments from Mozambique and Indian classical music as inspiration for his compositions to Hmong. Drones, vocal music, polyrhythms, and improvisation were characteristics of Indian classical and Southeast Asian music that had a big influence on Western composers. Let's go back to the first uses of drones in music. Tibetan monks link sounds of the instruments with sounds of the body. Transforming or integrating the power of sound is at the root of Tibetan religious music. The sounds thudding is the drum, wind blowing through the trees is the conch, moaning is the oboe, shrill moaning is the thigh bone trumpet, and so on. The didgeridoo is a buzzy instrument and one of the great drone instruments of the world. It came from northern Aboriginal Australia. Only two or three pitches are available. Playing the didgeridoo requires circular breathing, breathing through nostrils while simultaneously buzzing your lips using a small amount of air stored in cheeks and pharynx. instrument that is able to perform a drone rather admirably. Um, these days, though, it's complicated because you, you do have artists who do, in fact, write harmonies uh, that change and have rhythm, and yet I and others have referred to that type of music as drone because it will have elements of drone. It will have elements of sustained pitches. Like most drone instruments, the sound is repetitive. It creates long drones with some rhythmic structure, depending on the skill of the instrumentalist. Other instruments with droning capabilities are double flutes with one pipe, double oboes, double clarinets, 
Most bowed string instruments have one or two drone strings, like the santir from Persia and cymbalum and santori from Greece. Indian drums, like the tabla, are droney to coincide with the tambura, classical Indian musical instrument. Egyptian reed pipe and the 16-foot Tibetan trumpets create lower droning sounds. Tibetan chanting renders text meaningless. The words become stripped down to the core, where the words are just for the sound, not the meaning or the symbols we prescribe, like om. When used for sacred or ceremonial purposes, the sounds of speech become inseparable from musical sound. As you say, it, it uh, has been a very important part of a lot of different uh, religious um, contexts. Um, and, you know, there are practical and metaphysical reasons for that at a practical level. If you have a group of people together and you want to get them to sing, it's easier to get them to sing one note um, before you start having them sing, you know, more complicated textures or harmonies or what have you. Um, it, it, we also, it, this is easy to forget for us because we spend so much time uh, indoors, but there are many natural circumstances outdoors that create what we might consider to be drone-like conditions, you know, wind, um, especially wind blowing through certain, uh, you, you know, outdoor conditions, whether it's a forest or rock formations. Uh, if you're lucky enough to live by an ocean, the, the sound of, uh, you know, the tide coming in and out and, you know, just splashing on sand or rocks or whatever, it doesn't give you a consistent drone uh, but it, it, in its regularity, uh, after a while, it does kind of fade into this background ambient sound that you notice halfway, but you not, you're not necessarily attending to it with 100% of your attention. Um, I think all of these things have made it so that in, in many cultures around the world, when we talk about sound that is sustained and not moving a lot, that seems to center our attention and it seems to almost universally give us a sense of contemplation, calm, um, I don't want to say removal, but um, the ability to detach yourself from whatever the, um, you know, buzz on the surface of consciousness is so that you can get to a deeper level. Robert Erickson wrote, Music for the jaw harp transposes the complex play of speech sounds to an instrumental idiom. It is held against the open mouth, teeth, and it is strummed while the player changes the shape of his mouth cavity. This type of musical sound is hard to make with the mouth and takes intense practice. J.F. Rock describes a Chinese triple jaw harp which is used in courtship rituals of young people of the Naki and the Li Qiang area near the gorge of the Yangtze River in southern China. According to Chinese folklore, it was used in suicide packs between young lovers. They would play the jaw harp as they took the plunge. The manner of playing the jaw harp called the lover's code sounded like an imitation of a bee buzzing across the river. It was only the young who played the jaw harps in the southern Chinese culture.
Well, all of us have experience with breathing, and that that experience uh, of inhalation and exhalation is often very similar to what we hear uh, when various instruments perform drone. There might be some sort of ingressive movement and then egressive movement. Being humans, we like change, and so a lot of drone music, whether it's performed by traditional acoustic instruments or even electronic instruments, will have something on the order of change. Um, it might be vibrato, it might be um, that type of inhalation, exhalation. And I think that's its appeal. It's the fact that all of us at a certain level understand slower movements. We may not necessarily be attuned to very rapid rhythms biologically, but all of us, um, all of us have noticed, for instance, the cycle of the moon, the cycle of tides, uh, breathing, uh, of course, our hearts uh, have their own particular cycle. When, when done well, I think drone kind of calls us back to things that we all know very, very well that we take for granted and we don't even notice most of the time about our bodies. This has been an independent production by Amy Schaffline and Chris Williams. A special thanks to Joanna Demer. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening.